Hello and welcome to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, here with my host, Carrie. And today's episode, we are doing our first ever listener Q&A. And man, we touched on a lot of really, really juicy things here. We talk about Facebook ads, we talk about scaling, we talk about growing your social media and turning followers into customers. So we're going to get into it in a sec. This is an awesome episode. I highly recommend listening to the whole thing. But real quick, before we begin, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It helps us reach new listeners and helps you never miss an episode. So thank you so much. We are so glad you're here. And just before we hop in, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Gelato, the world's largest print-on-demand network. Gelato enables individuals ranging from e-commerce entrepreneurs to artists and creatives to establish their own global business. The magic of Gelato is that they focus on local production. The item being delivered is produced in the country that the order is placed almost 90% of the time, leading to many benefits such as lower costs, faster delivery times, and most importantly, reducing carbon emissions. The focus on tech to knit together over 130 production facilities across 32 countries is truly unique. Thanks to this, they currently have the highest customer satisfaction score in the print-on-demand industry on Trustpilot. To check them out for yourself, go to sixfigurefounder.com slash gelato and use the discount code PODPLAYBOOK, all capital letters, to get 60% off your first order when placed within 72 hours. That's the number sixfigurefounder.com slash G-E-L-A-T-O. You can also find the link and discount code in the podcast show notes or in the video description on YouTube. Adrian, what's going on, my friend? I'm pumped about today's episode. We're answering all the burning questions from our listeners. How are you doing today? I am doing well, man. I am so excited to do this. I think this has been a long time coming. We've got a number of really, really super good questions for today's podcast that I cannot wait to answer. Um, but yeah, man, I'm doing well. I'm settling into my new place here. Uh, presented to your group over the weekend. That was super fun. Always yeah. a huge adrenaline rush. Um, so yeah, man, how are you? Tell me about uh, how everything went. Man, oh, we just wrapped up the Launcher Brand Challenge, five-day challenge event. Over the top, it was phenomenal. We had the most uh, the most people ever register for the challenge. It was like our biggest event we've ever put on. And we've been putting it on uh, for three years next month. We've been doing it for three years, about every quarter or so. Sometimes it's been a little bit longer, a little bit less. But uh, I think we've done something like 12, 12 or so of these challenges. And this has been our biggest one. Uh, and so it was awesome. Welcome, welcome awesome. a ton of people into shirt school, new, nice. new people into the family. And so super, super duper exciting. And you absolutely crushed it uh, on you. your session coming on, being a guest speaker. Dude, it's such a rush, man. Like... I, I, I always say it, but like, there's something different about being live. You yeah. just, there's just so much more adrenaline and I don't know, man, emotions are high. I'm vibing high. The group is always awesome and super mm -hmm. enthusiastic and positive. And you, you just like feed off of the, the good energy and it's always just a big love fest. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I did want to also add to this episode. So with this episode, we're going to be doing listener Q&A. 
We've got mm-hmm. a whole a whole bunch of amazing questions here. You guys are going to get a ton of value out of listening to this because a lot of these questions definitely apply. I think probably all of them pretty much apply to more than just the person asking. A lot of people are thinking these. But I wanted to let everybody know, too, before we dive into the questions, we want to do these as a regular segment. Like I think it's important for us to connect with our community uh, and answer the questions you have as a listener. So we want to do this from time to time. So we want to remind you, we mentioned this maybe a couple episodes ago, uh, we want to remind you, we'd love to get your questions over on our Instagram accounts. Yeah. And so you can just shoot us a DM and just say, hey, I'm a listener of the podcast. First of all, we'd love to hear from you. But then second of all, just send us a question. We, we love to, um, uh, we love to hear your question. So over on Instagram, you can find me at Carrie Egler, K E R R Y E G E L E R. Uh, yeah, a little bit hard to spell, but shoot me a DM. <laughs> You'll see my red picture, a little red circle with my face in it. So, uh, yeah. And then what about you, Adrian? For me, the best place would be to DM me at Ecom Legends Academy, exactly how it's spelled, Ecom Legends Academy on Instagram. Or you guys can always send us an email uh, to, what would be the best one? Info at sixfigurefounder.com probably. And what I would say is just make the subject line something like POD Playbook Q&A. Just to keep it really simple, then we can kind of filter it out from the other ones. We know it's a question and then we can put it into a note for the next Q&A episode. So, so either we have, shoot us a email or DM us. In the, in the show notes, we, Adrian, just want to make sure, we have support at the number six figurefounder.com. Support. Let's do that then. <laughs> I don't since know if info is available. there for people to see, let's just do that. <laughs> well, do we have info? Is that a real thing? I don't know. I don't actually know. To be Support. <laughs> Support okay. at the number six figurefounder.com. Yes. It's in the show notes. You can find it there. Or if you're watching on YouTube, check the description. It's there. Yeah. And <laughs> Carrie, just before we jump into the Q&A, there's two things that I wanted to mention. One... I wanted to mention that on, was it Sunday, that the Print on Demand Playbook podcast hit the top 100 podcasts in the US in the category of entrepreneurship. We were what, like number 76, maybe I something think 76 or 77? Yeah. Something like that. But dude, that's insane. Like we, we've been so excited because we always consistently seem to be in kind of the top 200 to 250, but this was the first time that I've ever seen us in the top 100. I think it was the first time ever. Maybe it was the first time ever. So obviously we have to give as always a huge shout out to our listeners. You guys are so awesome. Thank you for bringing this into the top 100. Dude, we're up there with big names in the e-commerce yep. space, like celebrities that I, yes. I kind of envy, like people that I really aspire to be like, like the, you know, Russell Brunson's of the world. There's yeah. like these people and you just like, you can't even believe we were less than 10 spots away from Russell Brunson's podcast. I could That's not wild. believe it. I was just, my mind was so blown that this guy who I put on such a pedestal, I, I respect him so much. He's such like a guru in this space to think that we were so close. It's just really exciting. But the, that was the first thing I want to mention. Uh, do you want to say anything about that? I, no, I was just echoing, like w- when you get into the top 100, we were looking at the charts and it's just kind of, I just started scrolling through like, I wonder who's below us and then I wonder right. who's ahead of us. And it was like right there in that like 50 to a hundred. Cause we were sitting at 77. I'm just yeah. looking at these podcasts. Like these are like the mega podcasts. Like it's really wild to think we're up there with those guys. Like 
Who's listening to print on demand podcasts? I mean, I, apparently, apparently awesome. people are listening. Apparently so people we, are listening to it. We love it. We love it. We didn't know, again, we didn't know when we started this, if anybody would listen. So there yeah. you are listening and we appreciate you so much. I want to make sure we say that. Like we're so appreciative. What a cool, yeah. what a cool thing. Every episode, I want to thank our listeners, every single episode. Yeah. And I actually, so the second thing I want to do is shout out one of our reviews because yes. we're getting reviews pouring in on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube. We're getting them from Six Figure Founder members about the yeah. podcast. So I actually want to give a shout out uh, to this week's listener uh, review, and that's Amy Luna. So it's kind of a long review, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. It's an amazing review. Thank you so much, Amy Luna. But I'm going to read some of it because this is just, we really appreciate you and we want to give you a shout out. So she says, hi, guys, I started listening to your podcast to help keep me motivated to get my store up and running. I've actually been a graphic designer for 20 years, so I felt like this model would be a perfect side hustle passive income stream. And then I'm just going to skip to the bottom. Um, She said some other awesome stuff, but... I don't want to take up too much time. So she says, loving the podcast. I'd love to hear you guys do a segment on best practices for cancellations and return policies. Thank you. Thank you, Amy Luna. Uh, Thank you for your question and for your review. We really appreciate you. And we will make sure that we answer that question at some point for sure. We do collect the questions that you guys uh, give us in your reviews, and then we add them for future Q&A episodes. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So with that, why don't we just jump in and start fire, rapid firing, rapid fire answering these questions. Ra- we'll, we'll see about the rapid fire. It might be part we'll two. See, <laughs> it kidding. might be a 10 part episode. 10 but, part uh, episode, one question per hour. That's yeah, how we roll. Right. Uh, hopefully you got a long drive right now when you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Hopefully we can, we can fire through these. All right, I'm gonna read the first one here, Adrian. I sure. uh, definitely yep. want your thoughts on this. this is, these, man, we got some really good questions in here. Uh, just mm-hmm. solid questions that are gonna bring a ton of value. So uh, I do also wanna mention, um, we talked about this before hitting the record button. Uh, a number of these are submitted by our six-figure founder students, and mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. So we've got a few kind of sprinkled in here from six-figure founder students, uh, which is our uh, coaching program that we actually launched together really cool community of apparel brand owners. And then we have listener submitted questions. Um, and we also have some that were in the reviews and everything. So it's just kind of a mix of a, of a few different things here. Mm-hmm. So the first question uh, coming from one of our six figure founder members is what's the best way to maximize our budget with Facebook and Instagram ads when starting with a small budget, the reach is limited. So at what point do we know we have a winning design and it's time to scale up? Is there a specific metric we should look at? Also, is there a recommended number of ad campaigns that we should be running at any given time? Hmm. We're coming right out of the gate with the tough, with the tough ones. Yeah. Tough ones. Man, there's so much. This could be a whole episode, dude. I know. I know. Oh my god. Okay. How do we narrow this down? Uh, okay, I'm gonna I try can to kick get- it off. Okay, go ahead. If you want to kick it off, then I'll, I'll give my kind of concise answers and we probably will turn this into a future full episode. No, this would be a great episode. Such um, a good question. So there's, it, 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 uh, I think where Adrian was kind of starting to go is there is no necessarily like one concrete, like we could say, if X, then Y, you know, like mm-hmm. if, this, if this happens, go as far as like, you know, when you know you have a winning ad campaign, 
there's not a specific metric that you know uh, other than um your your um I'm struggling a little bit on to gather my thoughts here uh other than your actual cost per acquisition mm-hmm. there's not like a one size fits all me- metric now as far as cost per acquisition you know I always recommend with your Facebook and Instagram ads even at higher budgets that 99% of the time you're running them for conversions you're actually you're actually telling Facebook to give me purchases like mm-hmm. I want buyers. I don't just want clicks. I don't just want add to carts. I want buyers. 99% of the time, that's usually the way that I would recommend going. So the most important metric is the cost per acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not aware, in the apparel world, especially with t-shirts and, that, and this whole kind of thing, the average cost per acquisition is somewhere around $12 or $13. It may have gone up a little bit. It may have gone down, but it kind of floats around this $12 or $13 mark industry-wide. That means in order to get somebody to buy a t-shirt, it's around $12 cost per acquisition on average. So using that as a starting point, if the number one thing I would look at before even looking at that number using that number as a metric would be are you profitable like mm-hmm. if you're profitable that is a great indicator that you should spend more money um, on your ads because you're making profit so let's try to multiply mm-hmm. that profit and bring the price up it's also important i didn't realize i had so many thoughts I'm oh going, dude but it's, this it's is like <laughs> open up a whole can of worms it's also <laughs> it, uh where's i going with that oh it's also a good idea to not look at your campaigns collectively but to try to look at them individually mm-hmm. which can be hard because um tracking is not always super accurate you know with your sales and different things so but trying your best to really segment your campaigns and attribute your sales to the correct campaigns to be able to calculate what i mean by that is if you're running three campaigns and they're all spending twenty dollars and one campaign's got two sales or three sales and one campaign's got zero sales you don't want to take the whole sum of the spend on those campaigns and then look at is it profitable you want to look at the one campaign that has the sales you know you want to look at the one that's performing best and look at that in a vacuum by itself say is this campaign or ad set or ad profitable Mm -hmm. so um that would be the number one thing i would look at would be like is it profitable that's just the 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 most basic thing. The other Mm -hmm. thing I would say is, is one design or one ad creative disproportionately getting attention? You know, that's something that could be a good indicator. That could be engagement. That could be clicks. Um, Those are the biggest things I look at would be clicks and clicks and engagement. So if one design or one ad creative is disproportionately getting more, you might have something there. Um, so that, that those are a couple things. The last thing I'd say, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go because I know you got a whole thought on this. Oh no, this is um, good, man. Keep going. Uh, the last thing I would say, and I I've, I totally totally forgot what I was gonna say, um, is oh I was gonna say test before you invest. I'm gonna steal your <laughs> I'm gonna steal your totally take you it, man. Test, not not even test before you invest because you are investing into ads, but test a lot before mm-hmm. you go all in on one. Uh, mm-hmm. What I mean by that is. You want to, if you don't, like, let's say you test one design and you test all these different campaigns and all this different stuff, you're only giving one design the chance to be successful. You want to test a lot of different designs, a lot of different uh, products, mainly designs, to see what design gets the most attention. So 
Yep. Let's say you set up a campaign and you go, you go, the, you're, you're promoting one design and you go three or four different ads. Well, even if you have three or four different ads, you still only are trying one design. If the design stinks, you're, it's not going to work. So right. you'd want to try to test more than you want to try to test as many designs as you can at low budgets and then really look at the data to see which one stands out. And then the last final last thing I would say is, um, and, and, and to add on to that, before you go spend a bunch of money, you're trying to test a lot in small budgets. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I keep going. I'm losing my train of thought a little bit. You yeah, no, that, there's, there's that's okay. Much. There's just so much to say about this that it's almost yeah. hard to, to come up with a concise answer. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to keep it concise as well. So where I recommend everyone start is always test at small budgets. So a lot of what I'm going to say is going to echo Carrie's sentiment. Yeah. Always start by testing at small budgets because this design has not proven itself to you. And more times than not, it's not a winning design. It's just the true the numbers in the numbers more, more times that it's not but what you can do is you can determine with ads that it's not a good design and move on to the next one move on to the next one so what i recommend don't get you, attached without, without losing a lot of money yeah exactly and definitely do not do not take it personally some people they get obsessed with the design they think it's been a winner i've totally been there guys so many times i thought i had a hit and it was crickets and so i totally relate there but let the customers vote with their dollars. If it's not converting into sales, it's probably not a winner. So what I would say is start by testing at small budgets, maybe 10 to $25, I would say 10 to $15 per design. Let it go for 72 hours, do not touch it, see how it does. If it's profitable, the next phase, kind of the level two phase would be to duplicate that campaign or ad set and increase the budget. And then let that run for a couple of days, see if that's profitable and then do the same and the same. And you just keep duplicating and increasing the budget as long as it's profitable. And if it is a winning design, sometimes you can duplicate it up to hundreds of dollars a day, even thousands of dollars a day in advertising spend. That is a sign of a true winning design. And I actually break down winning designs in a couple different categories. I call them A grade, B grade, and C grade winning designs. A grade, you pretty much know right away, you start making sales right out of the gate, you duplicate and it continues to make a bunch of sales, it continues to be profitable, and you can really scale those to the moon. You can make hundreds of thousands of dollars in literally a single month by scaling A grade winners. B grade winners are the ones that they make sales from the ads, but then when you try to scale them, they just aren't scalable. They're just, you, you, you raise the budget and it's not profitable and you're like, oh, what's going on? And then you readjust it down and it's maybe profitable again at a small budget. And then you raise it again and it's not profitable. Yep. Those are B grade winners. They're, you know, they'll make you sales at small budgets. They can be profitable, but they're not as scalable, not nearly as scalable as an A grade winner. And then a C grade winner is one, it's a design that makes you sales but it's very hard to make it profitable with ads. Sometimes you're just gonna have designs that sell here and there. People, you know, maybe they see it when they're buying something else or they're drawn in from another ad and they add it to their cart, but it's just not one, every time you run ads for some reason, it just doesn't, doesn't yeah. convert. So that's what I consider A, B and C grade winners. If you have an A grade winner, it should be profitable within 72 hours at a small budget. And then you can do the level two where you duplicate increase the budget. 
So that's what I'll say about that. And then the other, a couple other things I want to mention, Kerry made a good point. He said, you know, tracking isn't entirely accurate in ads manager. And that is so true, especially since the iOS 14 update tracking um, got much more challenging. And so kind of the workaround that I recommend for people is that when you're running ads, take your revenue and divide it by your ad spend and make sure you're profitable because a lot of sales that you're going to make from Facebook ads are not going to be reflected in Facebook ads manager. You'll be like, Oh, how did I make a sale of this product that I'm running an ad to? It doesn't say I made that sale in Facebook ads manager. That's because Facebook ads, that's because Facebook has trouble tracking people when they go off their platform, when they go to your website, they can't track as easily as they used to be able to, to see what kind of actions people take, what, what they view, what they add to cart and what they purchase. It's just not as optimized. It's not as effective at tracking that stuff. So yeah. what I recommend doing is taking your revenue, divide it by your ad spend, making sure it's profitable. The other thing I'll say about that is when you look at your revenue, look at what's making the sales. If you're running three campaigns to three different designs and 90% are coming from one design, what I would probably do is if those other two designs aren't profitable, I would kill those campaigns and I would focus all my energy on scaling up the one that made the 90%. The last thing I want to say about this, and maybe we'll go back and forth a little bit, but the last thing I want to say about this is there's this thing that I, that I, someone coined it the halo effect. And I, man, I've totally experienced this, Carrie. I guarantee you, you've experienced yes. this too. This is when someone that this is when you have all of these untrackable sales coming in when you're running ads, but they're not showing up in ads manager. And we even had a six figure founder member reach out to us and be like, hey, it looks like I'm making sales, but they're not being tracked in Facebook ads. Are these organic sales? Are these paid ads? And we were like, they're very likely paid ad sales. And the halo effect is essentially making comp. You, I guess you could call them complimentary sales. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you run an ad to a dog lover and the dog lover shares it with another dog lover and that person ends up buying the product. Facebook cannot track that other person. And so you're going to make the sale and it technically came through an ad to one person, but it was almost through a third party because then they pass over to someone else who bought it. And that is the halo effect. And you're going to experience this when you run ads and start making sales. You might, before you run ads, you might not be making any sales. All of a sudden you run ads and it shows in ads manager that you made five sales, but you actually made 10. Are those additional five organic sales? Probably not. They're probably, maybe they are if you're doing, if you have a, you know, a really solid organic strategy, but in a lot of cases, those are halo effect sales. They're coming because people are sharing your ad and people that see that share they're purchasing. And so I just wanted to mention that because a lot of people, they'll look at the data and they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm profitable in terms of revenue. I'm making a lot of sales, but when I look at ads manager, my ads aren't profitable. So I should probably turn them all off. It's like, no, 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 don't, don't yeah. do that. Do that. Yes. You need to take a holistic approach. Look at the sales, see what's selling, and then keep those ads going. That was Dude. a lot. Did that make sense, Carrie? I hope, I hope. Yeah, you know, you gave a way better roadmap than I did. All right. I was like, <laughs> I was spitting all my thoughts and you were like, this is just do this. And I was like, 
<laughs> I was literally sitting there like, I just need to listen to Adrian when I, when I got my ads. Uh, that, that was great. Um, okay, good. So what, the only thing I was going to add is, um, you know, when it comes to ads, I think you do have, like, there is going to be some risks you have to take. Mm-hmm. You do have to take some risks. And when I, when people come in to shirt school or six figure founder or, you know, whatever, but when they're, when I should say, when they're wanting to, uh, kind of start marketing for the first time, I feel like most people always want to go to ads. Like they always mm-hmm. want to go to ads and that's okay. But I think it's, it's really important to have the proper expectation when you start that number one, you need to have some money that you're willing to lose. Mm-hmm. And you need to be willing to uh, you need to be willing to take some risks. And what yeah. I say when I say what I mean when I say take some risks is you should test that really small budgets that are more insignificant. Like you said, fifteen dollars per design, right? We're not trying to spend hundreds of dollars per design and per you're day looking, per design, right? Yeah, you're yeah. you're looking for the little markers of again my cost per acquisition is profitable or it's getting a disproportionate amount of you know, clicks and, and, and engagement, mainly cost per acquisition is going to be the biggest thing. And then from there, when you think this might be a winning design, that's where you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to take this to the next level. I'm going to go to 25 a day or 50 a day and see what happens over the next 72 hours. I'm not going to look at it for 72 hours, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Losing $150. Like Mm -hmm. if it happens, I'm okay. So you have to be ready for that. It's a little bit of that risk reward. And when you do find a winner, as you've mentioned, it only takes one A grade winner, as you said, and it can take you to multi six figures, sometimes seven figures in revenue, you know, Mm -hmm. off of the, off of the back of one design. And then you start putting that design on other products and it's just like, you know, all the stuff you add up sales, you start to add email marketing and it just continues to, to explode. Yeah, I, we should can I, can I jump too. in with a couple more thoughts? <laughs> yes. What? Okay, okay, a couple go, more go, thoughts, go, and then we'll jump go. to questions too, I promise. <laughs> all right, so I just want to say a couple things. First of all, essentially you have two options, one running ads. There's kind of the fast growth, high risk option, and then there's the slow growth, low risk option. If you have all the money in the world to blow, you can get a lot of data really fast mm-hmm. by running a whole bunch of ads, but expect that you're going to lose that money because nothing is proven and you're you're just throwing all this money into ads you're getting you're paying for data you know you're getting data back from facebook it's telling you who's looking at it. it's giving you some demographics it's telling you who's adding to cart and the the ads will optimize better based on the data that you feed that machine yeah. so you know a lot of times when you're running big ads you can they can optimize a lot faster and facebook generally says a rule of thumb is like oh each ad set needs to be making 50 sales a, uh 50 sales a week to optimize fully optimize to yeah. fully optimize and get out of the learning mm-hmm. phase uh, I have had um, ones run with, I've that. had ones run way longer that did not make 50 a week. So yeah. I think that's a rubbish. I would never follow that. But I will say when you do have, uh, when you are making that many sales, yes, you, you it, it, it continues to, to perform yeah. well for a long time. But that's the riskier option. I would only do that if I had a proven A grade winner starting with small budgets. The other approach, the more conservative approach where I recommend everyone start unless you have an unlimited budget is the slow growth, low risk approach. So this is where you are advertising your designs on social media, you're advertising them to your email list, you're advertising them to your SMS list if you have that. 
and then you run ads as small budgets, see how those perform. And then you do the kind of every 72 hours, duplicate, increase budget and see how it goes. And you just scale it over time as you're actually profitable. You can reinvest those profits into scaling it into bigger ads. And that's the more safe approach that I recommend to everybody. Because I think that if I lost a whole bunch of money really quick, I, one, I would feel like I was gambling and I'm not a gambler, but two, I just think I'd be really discouraged and I'd be like, I'm out, you know, it's very discouraging. I think that those people, they kind of, they're like supernovas. They, they burn fast and they're gone. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that, Carrie. I promise I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the next question. If, uh, unless you have any you, thoughts. I think we found our next episode, uh, episode <laughs> topic is, uh, Facebook ads and scaling and all that stuff. Um, there's totally. a lot, to talk, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I'm going to go actually, I'm going to jump down a little bit. This is from one of our listener submitted questions. The next question is that I'm going to ask is why don't you recommend using Etsy or Amazon? I see a lot mm. of POD brands on Etsy specifically, and mm. I'm asking because you only mentioned Shopify. We talk about Shopify a lot. Yeah. Um, do you have thoughts to start? Yeah, I will. I will start with this one. Okay, first of all, I do not not recommend Etsy. Yeah. However, I do not recommend it as your primary platform because it is extremely risky. And what I mean by that is you are putting all of your eggs in the Etsy basket, which is not a website. It is a marketplace. It is a marketplace where you're putting your products. It's rented real estate and they can terminate your account at any time. And it happens all the freaking time. Like how many times have you heard Carrie from Etsy sellers? Like, oh, I was on for like two weeks. I started making yeah. sales and all of a sudden my account got terminated. And it's not easy to get it back. There's some people that try really, really hard. I remember Ryan Hogue, he, he had an Etsy store and for some reason got terminated. He tried so hard and just could not for the life of him get it back. And I think he took a super long break from Etsy because he just was discouraged and, and, and couldn't get it get his store back. Yep. So that that is my concern for people on Etsy. I think Etsy is an amazing complimentary sales channel, but you should be on an owned platform. And yep. that is one like Shopify. You own the data, you get all the data. Even if Shopify, for some reason, terminated your account, which you rarely ever hear about, but in a rare case, you could take all that data and you could take it to another platform. Etsy, if you get your account terminated, you lose all that stuff overnight. Like you've lost all of the people following you. You've lost uh, a lot of data and you don't have- Well, you don't have data in the first place. Anyone anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, you don't I have the data Etsy, in the first place. Yeah, I, I think Etsy's trying to get a bit better about giving some data. Like I think yeah. now you can collect email addresses. <laughs> like. I can't believe that it took so long to give the sellers email addresses to their customers because then you can remarket to them and that's powerful. The money is in the repeat sales. That is where the yeah. real profits are. And so remarketing is a very powerful thing. And so Etsy, it's like they're trying to do these things to be kind of more competitive with, with like the Shopify's, but that is kind of my stance on it. I think this could also be an entire episode because there are a lot of pauses for Etsy. One, Etsy drives a lot of free traffic, a lot of free traffic. Like mm -hmm. you can post, you can post your products on Etsy and there's people like, I think millions of people a day going on Etsy shopping, just like Amazon, same thing. 
Amazon, Etsy, they're both marketplaces. They're both rented real estate. You're renting the real estate and it can be taken from you at any time. So just to kind of sum it all up and wrap it up with a little bow, I strongly recommend making your main platform an owned platform like Shopify and then using these marketplaces as complementary sales channels. I think because uh, Shopify, maybe just because it's so commonly talked about maybe with YouTubers and different things like it's commonly taught you hear about these like Shopify entrepreneurs and Shopify mm. e-commerce sellers a lot of people are confused and this is what I find out I found out actually through the challenge because in the in the launcher brand challenge that I do uh, we just did last week um, I, I I find these are mainly beginners I'm working with and there I get the question a lot they're like what's the difference between Shopify and Amazon or Shopify and Etsy? They're like, isn't it the same? Why? Like they don't get it. Um, and, and it's exactly what you said. And just to put it in maybe simpler terms, um, mm -hmm. Shopify is not a marketplace. It's not a place you go to sell on. You don't sell on Shopify. Like mm -hmm. even you'll see videos like that, how to sell on Shopify. Right. You're, not, you're not going to Shopify and saying, here's my product, make me sales. Shopify is a, if, if you want to be really, really basic, Shopify is a place you go to build a website. Like literally, right. you just build a website on there. That's like the most mm -hmm. basic, basic form. Now, what one of the reasons, and this may be a whole other episode, why Shopify? Why do we love Shopify? Mm -hmm. But Shopify is is 100% built for physical products and e-commerce, but mainly physical products. E-commerce can kind of be an all-encompassing all term. But it's built for physical product sellers. That means the features, the interface, the apps, the themes, everything is is built out specifically for you that are kind of people that are selling physical goods, right? So mm -hmm. this platform is all built around that idea is I want to Shopify wants to empower, you know, solopreneurs and people that work from home and anybody who wants to sell physical products, they want to empower you with the tools necessary to have success. And it's built around that whole premise. So um, and, and as you mentioned, when you when you have a Shopify store, you don't really we shouldn't even call it a Shopify store. When you have your own store, right? This doesn't even necessarily need to be on Shopify, but when you have your own store, you can own the customer data. You can mm -hmm. you can build an email list and you can run your own advertising. You know, like we just talked about in the last question with Facebook, Instagram ads. You actually can't do that on Etsy. It's crazy, but like mm -hmm. you have to let ad Etsy run ads for you. And right. the other big thing is on your Shopify site, you're not competing with a billion other brands. It's just your brand. When somebody right. comes to your website, they're only going to see your products. Whereas yeah. if they go to Etsy, they're going to see all the thousands of Etsy products that are just coming up on their screen that they might get distracted and go to the next product. And, uh, and then to that remarketing aspect, like you mentioned, like when somebody comes to your Shopify site, you now can remarket to them. You can probably collect their email, but then you could also run retargeting ads, right? You could, mm -hmm. you can show them whatever you want. You can like it, you own it. And it's one of the only, especially your email list is one of the only, you know, ways that you can own your data and, you know, really own your success. Like, man, the email list has saved my butt so many times having oh, a bad dude. month. It's money. Go to, go to my email list, right? It's yeah. literally just money. Building yep. that email list, it's like you can go back to that well anytime you need some sales. That's mm -hmm. why it's so important to build an email list. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I've, I, so I've, I've got a couple of thoughts, but I just want to kind of summarize it. I, I'm not going to go off on any rants <laughs> right now. I'm just going to summarize it. I'm going to do a really quick, like, one-minute Shopify versus Etsy, right, and I'm just going to make timer. a couple of points. And I definitely think that this needs to be a whole other episode, and there's so much more we could say, but I want to make a couple important distinctions. So Etsy, you're right. A lot of people are confused. And I get so many questions on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, people asking about Etsy and Shopify as if they're the same thing. And I, I'm like, oh, I get it. I guess they don't know that they're different because when you're new, they do kind of seem like the same thing. And you hear a lot of print-on-demand, a lot of print-on-demand sellers are using Etsy, a lot of print-on-demand sellers are using Shopify. So here are some distinctions. Etsy drives traffic. Etsy you do not require a website. You can literally create an Etsy account. You can throw your products up there and you can list them for sale. It's riskier than something like Shopify because it's a rented platform. You can, you can have your account terminated at any time. And another thing I'm really not a fan of with Etsy is that they market your competitors' products. So yeah. someone will go and they'll click on your product and then they'll be like, you may also like, and they'll show all these competitors' products. Some are blatant like, copyright infringement where they just stole it and that cheaper version of your original design is being marketed and now that person's making sales so that's another thing i'm not a big fan of of, of etsy even though i do use it as a complimentary sales channel and i highly recommend it as a complimentary yeah. complimentary sales channel. now shopify you do need to build your own website although shopify has out-of-the-box templates that make it super super easy Carrie and I both have programs where we handhold people through the process of creating a Shopify store from scratch. So you do need to build your own website and you do need to drive your own traffic. Uh, there are so many ways to do that. I mean, we're gonna have so many future episodes on this. We generally, generally recommend using social media as your primary acquisition channel. And we're actually gonna talk about that a little bit in, when we're answering one of the questions. Uh, and that is where we recommend targeting the marketing efforts. And that kind of goes in line with the last question about Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, so you need to, you need to create your own website. You need to drive your own traffic, but you have branding and marketing control. So you can do, you can set up cross sells, upsells, post-purchase upsells. You can do all sorts of stuff to increase the average order value, increase the amount that a customer is going to spend in their, in their purchase and you own all of your customers data so you have way more data at your fingertips that you can use you have names phone numbers email addresses all sorts of stuff that you can use to remarket to these customers and like we said the money is in the repeat sales so the, the, that's just kind of a very very basic high level distinction and i'm sure i missed a whole bunch of points so we will dedicate a future episode to this but i just wanted to kind of give people an idea, give listeners an idea of some of the key differences. Do you think that that kind of sums things up a little bit, Carrie? Like makes it, things a bit more clear? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. definitely, I mean, I definitely think so. All okay, right, okay. we're gonna go the opposite direction here. We're gonna get deep. Uh, one, one of our uh, Six Figure Founder members submitted this question. How do you find balance being an entrepreneur? And I think this is coming from a place of uh, you know, when you are, when you're specifically a full-time entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, you know, what it's kind of, I think this is kind of an interesting thing because I think this has been, I, w I guess I wouldn't say completely, but when you're an online entrepreneur, it's kind of become like sexy over the last like 15, 20 years or something. Like as the internet has like grown, it's like this like thing, you know, we like, I go to these conferences and it's like 
5,000 people that are all like have these online businesses, you know, and it's kind of like this sexy thing, these big speakers and in obviously influencers and all this kind of stuff. Like, so people get consumed with being an entrepreneur or putting out mm -hmm. content or like being this little mini celebrity or different, different things like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think it's coming from that, which it's not all, I'm not saying it's bad. A lot of it's good. Like having something that you're, so dedicated to that you enjoy doing like it's amazing right but so i think it's coming from that place is like i want to work on my business all the time mm -hmm. but is that is that healthy and how do i find balance and i'm not just like sitting at my desk or my computer all day just like hammering away you know what i mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts oh that man was a long explanation okay but. No, no. It, I, I, I saw this question come in from our six figure founder member and I was, um, I was excited, but kind of, it made me reflect a bit because sure. to be completely honest, I do not have the best work-life balance. It's something that I've been working on for years. It's something that I still have a long ways to go and improve on. Carrie, I respect your, I think you're way better at work-life balance than I am. And I respect that a lot. And I kind of look at you and, and, and think to myself, I want to, I want to be like that. I want to have more balance like that. And maybe it's because you have a family. And so you're kind of forced, you know, um, yeah. I don't have a family right now. I, I have a wife and she's awesome. And I definitely wish I spent more time with her. Um, but I feel like kids would add a whole new element. Yeah. So um, I just want to start by saying this is not a strength of mine by any means, but in terms of balance, a couple of things that I do is I am very disciplined with my time to make sure that I'm getting the most out of each hour. I have a paper list that I print out called the perfect to do list. And every single night before bed, I write out my three to thrive, my top three tasks that I want to accomplish the next day. And those are, this is a Tony Robbins kind of strategy where he says, your three to thrive should be, if you accomplish anything in the day, these are the three, these are the priority tasks. So I always have my three to thrive. And then I always have my additional tasks that I try to get to. And I actually manage on paper, every single working hour of my day to know what it's been allocated to and to track my hours. So I know when I'm at a certain time point, usually I cut myself off at 10 hours. Uh, I, I want to get to, or, yeah, I, I want to get to a point where I'm cutting myself out, off at eight hours and I know I could, it's just a lack of discipline, to be honest. Um, and sometimes I go for 12. It just really depends. But wow. to answer, to answer the question, I totally empathize with this question because she was saying, how do you, how do you not get so obsessed with it that you find yeah. you catch yourself working on it all the time? And I do. Unfortunately, I get really obsessed and I do catch myself sometimes working for really, really long time because you're so passionate about it. It's your baby. Yeah. This is your asset. You built this. Everything you get, you put in, you're going to get the reward. And so it is very tempting, but I'm hoping that Carrie will have some, some better advice than I do for this. But what I would say is, you know, list out your tasks either before you start working on things or the night before, which is my strong preference, and then manage the hours and maybe set a limit on the hours that you're gonna do in a day. Oh man, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I'm gonna be all over the place with this, uh, but- A tough one. What's that? It's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I think about like, uh, 
like Gary V, you know, Gary, I think Gary V, you know, something he talks about, he's like, there's no such thing as like work life balance. Like you got to love the journey. Like you got to love the, you got to be obsessed with this stuff. Like it, mm. it, you know, like I just, that's one thing that I think about. And I was, what I was trying to go earlier is like, you know, this whole thing about it's like sexy to be an entrepreneur, online entrepreneur, or whatever influencer, all those kind of things is, um, that, uh, that, you know, like a lot of people really enjoy it. Like I really enjoy working on my business and I think you do too. Like I really enjoy it. It brings me a ton of, you know, joy and it brings me a ton of fulfillment because one of the reasons is because I get to work with really cool people and I get to talk to really cool people and like, you know, I get to do cool things, you know? So like, yeah, that brings me like a lot of joy and fulfillment. Um, but I think it's really important to know what your priorities are. Like, what do you value most in your life? Mm -hmm. What, what is the most important thing? Because you could love to work on your business, but if it's putting a strain on your marriage or your relationship with your kids or your health, mm -hmm. that's a big one. Mm -hmm. You know, the stress it can put on your body, on your health, you know, then it's like, that's where you need to, you need to make changes. Even if it's something you love, right? Like even, a, even a sport or lifting weights, you know, uh, all those kind of things. I mean, obviously eating the wrong foods, those kind of things, like you can love them and they can make you feel good. Mm -hmm. But if you do too much, you know, like, like I, I, I talk about playing pickleball a lot cause I'm obsessed with playing pickleball. If I play too many hours, too many days in a row, I, I like a couple weeks ago, I hurt myself. I was out for like two weeks, couldn't play, you know, cause I played like five days in a row. <laughs> I was just got obsessed with it. And, uh, and so like, yeah, anyways. Um, so, you know, I think it's about priorities. And so, and one thing I heard from a mentor of mine, um, I joined a mastermind like early on in, you know, many years ago and I'm going to butcher this, but one of the things that he said that, uh, that, that really impacted me was that you should build your, like build your business around the life you want, not build your life around the business. If, if that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Build, build your business around the life that you, that you want. He would say like, he would be like, you know, what would your business look like if, like, if, if you had, if you had exactly what you wanted, if, if it was easy, if it was like, what would that look like? And so I, early on, I was very, I was, I was working a million hours, you know, I was trying to like build this thing, build something early on in t-shirts, but also early on in shirt school. And I do think there's a season for that. I want to be clear. There is a season where it's like, yeah, you don't have much. You got to hustle, right? Like you, you got to get up early. You got to stay up late. You got to make some sacrifices. I really do think that's important. But what happened was in early 2020, I was working my booty off like all day, all night. I had one, uh, I had both kids at that point, two kids, very small. Uh, they would have been four and two, something like that. And, um, I was working like crazy. Uh, on shirt school, t-shirts, I mean, all just all the different things. I was trying to launch new things, you know, all this stuff. And um, I worked so hard, like all day, I was drinking energy drinks, I mean, all the different things, eating bad, not working out, sitting in a chair, you know, all the different things. And just the stress that I severely hurt my back, like I severely mm -hmm. hurt my back. You know, I had to go to the emergency room. I ended up having to get uh, like a cortisone shot and there was like, a, I couldn't, couldn't really do anything physical for probably a about a month. And I was in bed, couldn't, you know, luckily I could work cause I could still get on my laptop, but I mean, it was, it sucked. Like I, I remember like, this is going to sound silly, a little bit vulnerable, but 
I remember like crying, you know, in front of my wife, just being like, am I ever going to be able to play with my kids again? Like, even I get a little choked up thinking about that right now because I was like, I had, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I was like, am I going to be able to go outside and just like throw the ball around with Calvin? You know, because Mm. like my, I severely hurt myself, you know, I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. And, um, that was kind of a byproduct of being obsessed with being an entrepreneur, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, it was somewhere around there that I kind of made the decision to kind of follow what I just told you that I heard from a mentor was like, okay, I need to make changes. I need to start building the life that I want. And my business is going to fit into that life, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, and it wasn't a instant thing, but over the next three years, it's been about a little over three years since that point, I've just molded my life to what I want and what I value. And I, I, I value being able to take time off whenever I want to. I value um, doing things even in my business that I enjoy, not things that like I don't, that I, that I hate doing. You know, there, there are certain things in the business that I'm like, I hate doing this thing. So I don't do those things anymore. You know, it's just like, it is what it is. Um, I value spending time with my kids. I value um, being able to take time off during the day, you know, playing pickleball or doing the things that I love. You know, I value those things. So I'm, I've built those things into my life, you know, where I have very, very few obligations during the week where mm-hmm. I have to be, you know, at my desk doing work, you know, yeah. and some of that has come from hiring team members. Some of that stuff has come from building the business to a way where a lot of it's automated. That's why I talk a lot about automation and my challenges and shirt school and all different things is like autom- I automate as many things as I can. I schedule things, I do things in chunks, right? Like when I do YouTube videos, I do four or five of them in, in, a, in an afternoon and I try to you know, batch them and we, do, we batch our, our podcast because I really value my time and so I wanna have as much free time as I can because that's what I put priority on. So it's really hard to do that in the beginning but I definitely think you, even from the beginning, you need to build in time for yourself, for the things you prioritize. And yeah, I mean, I could kind of keep going on that. It's really hard to do in the beginning though. It, it is really hard not to just want to work on it day and night because you're wanting to find that winning formula, that success. And so it's like, you just keep going, 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 pushing yourself, pushing yourself, but you got to be really careful because you'll get burnt out. You might get physically yeah. injured. The stress will wear on you. It could wear on your marriage. It could wear on your relationships, your kids. I mean, it definitely can wear on on those things. L- last thing I want to say, um, I heard I'll, I won't call him out, but I heard it's actually this was so funny. The same guy that told me those quotes that really changed my life, he just put out a podcast episode on his podcast and said uh, that he's going on a three month sabbatical, uh, mm. going away, leaving his business for three months, and it's because he's like incredibly stressed, has been working so hard. You know, all these things like getting to the point where he's like, I'm burnt out. I got to, I got to, I have to take time away. It's odd that he's the guy that kind of really inspired me to have more balance. Um, but what broke my heart was he went and asked his wife, he's got a, he's got a wife and he's got like maybe a three or four year old daughter. He went and asked his wife said, Hey, I I'm thinking about taking a break. I'm really burnt out. You know, I, I'm, I, I've been working too hard. I'm, I've got all these things going on. I've been trying to do too much yada, yada. She, you know, what do you think about that? Should I take three months off of the business? And he said, his wife looked at him and she, and all she said was, yes, may, maybe we'll get dad back. That's what she said. Wow. 
And I heard that on his podcast and I was just like, mm. I almost started bawling right there. Yeah. I have kids and everything. She's like, maybe we'll get, we'll get dad back, you know? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that. And I know that broke his heart too, you know, but that's, that's like, powerful. that's, that's the price, you know, of, mm-hmm. of what we do when we just go too hard. But anyways, getting too deep, getting too emotional. Yeah. But it's something well, that's important it's, to me for sure. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like it, it, you, you almost have to be super disciplined with yourself yeah. and um, set your own boundaries, set your own parameters yes. because it's like the wild west. If you don't, you're going to be obsessed about it. And it's all you're going to think about. Yeah. Um, that's what it's like for me. And I remember when I went to the Philippines in January, I went with my wife for two weeks. I didn't do any work. I was like, well, I'm in the Philippines. I'm taking the purest vacation, the most present vacation every minute. I just want to be with my wife. I want to spend with her. I want it to be the most quality present, uh, vacation of my life. And it was so nice, man. Like I came back so refreshed. Maybe this is why I travel so much because a lot of times when I travel, I try to like. I, I, I'm much more disciplined when I'm traveling because I yeah. want to enjoy it. That's you know? interesting. That's an interesting <laughs> point. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if any of that was helpful, but <laughs> we spilled our hearts. Uh, I think we. I think the next question will probably be the last one for this episode. Uh, yeah. But I, I definitely want. We have some more questions here, and we want you to submit more questions. We want to do more of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last one here is really, really important. I think, and so I want to spend our last few minutes here. Uh, on this one. I think a lot of people will get value out of this uh, and we'll learn a lot. So last question, we're going to get back into strategy here away from all the, all oh. the, all the, uh, the, the fluffy stuff, the, the deep <laughs> stuff. Um, how do you convert social media views into followers uh, and then into sales? So he said, I've been researching conversion rate calculations, how to raise those. I would love to hear your thoughts on converting social media reach into dedicated followers and not just views and I, th- I think to add on to that, also converting them into sales, right? So, mm. you know, this person is getting views on their Instagram reels or maybe a TikTok or those kind of things. But how do you actually get those people to follow? And how do you then get them to like sell or get them to make, right. a, make a purchase, right? So right. We'll talk about that. I kind of misread yeah. that question earlier. I was thinking that it was more, a little more focused on sales, but also that we wanna, they want to hear about how to get followers. Yeah, no, it's such a good question. So first of all, I I don't know where to tackle this first. Should we start with the first question? How do you convert social media viewers into followers? Yep. Um, And then kind of take from there. Okay, so social media viewers into followers. Um, The first thing that I think that I would say, and this would be, this is my on the fly advice. If I was Mm -hmm. creating a a masterclass for this, it would be very organized and there'd be so much, but this is my on the fly advice. The first thing, is niching down just focus on creating value for a particular niche who is your ideal customer audience secondly post valuable audience or valuable content consistently so that they see that you are dedicated to this niche and that you are constantly putting out valuable content now you can also include your products in there and your designs and if this is aligned with your niche, which your design should be aligned with the niche that you're posting the social media content, it should all be aligned, then that's going to be interesting to people too. But also lead with value, find some ways to offer them value. And sometimes it's just through funny and relatable content that you post on social media. But that's one way that I think of doing it, just make sure that it's very niche 
down and be very consistent with it. Another thing you can do is you can include a call to action in your post. So have an intention with your content. What is your intention with this post? Is it to convert, convert them into a customer? Are you showing them a product that you want them to buy? Is it to get them to follow you? Is it to get them to click the link in bio, have an intention behind each post. And it's okay to have a call to action in them too, especially in Instagram. It's really common where you, you know, you, you do a post and you, you have some call to action, like follow for more mm-hmm. hiking. If you're in the hiking needs, you know, follow for more hiking inspiration, something like that. You can totally have that. Um, and then I would just say having a viral content strategy, using content that's performing really well, Um, and right now I would say reels are performing the best. There's a lot of different types of content that you can put out there, but just having a viral content strategy. And I, I did that entire Instagram masterclass on this. I I feel like that could be a whole episode. Um, but that's kind of what I would say really succinctly there's, yeah, there's a lot more to say about this, but that's an answer to the first question. Yeah, to add on to that, the biggest the biggest thing is going to be that call to action. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, even if you're, because I know this specific person that's asking this is uh, reposting a lot of content from other accounts and getting a lot of views doing that, but maybe not seeing the followers. So what what I would recommend doing is taking the extra step, at, even if you're going to repost a piece of content to maybe add right at the very end. Uh, you know, follow for more or a little arrow that points to the, you know, the follow button Mm -hmm. or uh, alternatively, uh, another thing that you can do is try to get more engagement. So what you'll see a lot of people or what you'll see on a lot of those videos is you will see that you're getting a ton of views, but maybe Mm -hmm. people are just swiping through, right? So you have to have some question or thought that would, would cause them to want to comment, right? Um, if you can get those comments, you're going to create a little bit deeper relationship, but then what's cool is you're also going to have a comment stream of people that you can then proactively reach out to and connect with. So hypothetically, let's say you put out a piece of content and in the, in the, at the end, your call to action is follow for more, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or subscribe, I guess it'd be follow on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. follow for more. But then down in the text, maybe you have a an engagement question there, mm-hmm. um, you know, that might say like, "What are your thoughts on blah blah blah?" or you know, "What do you think about blah blah blah?" or um, you know, whatever. I mean, you can you can kind of just put something there that uh, would get people to comment, right? Would what would get them thinking, or or is there a conversation that they would want to engagement engage with, right? Like, let's say you posted a LeBron James highlight, and in the in the question you said, "Who's the goat?" LeBron or or Michael Jordan, right? And then mm. you start this conversation in the comments. And then you have people to proactively reach out to that you can then reach out to and you can follow them, you can like their stuff, you could even DM them. You can say, "Hey, thank you for commenting on my post, you know, uh we'd love for you to become a follower or whatever." Or uh here's a discount code if you want to check out our products, right? Like you could start a conversation with them because you were able to get that engagement. Mm-hmm. So that w- I think that would be the most important thing would be trying to work on getting more engagement, work on a call to action to get more followers. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. But then we can kind of move to sales. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I misread the question before we went on. I thought it was all about converting followers into customers. Yeah. And so I was kind of thrown <laughs> off when you, when we reread it. I was like, wait a sec, what? I I totally didn't understand. So I was kind of like, felt like I was on, is going on the fly. But yeah. a couple of things, I, I while you were talking, a, a couple more thoughts came up that I want to mention. I want to mention that there are different strategies for different platforms. So for example, I do not have the same strategy for Instagram as I do for TikTok because Instagram is a social-based algorithm and TikTok is a content-based algorithm. That means that the algorithms value different things. And your goal should be to extend your reach within your niche. It's not to go viral to everybody because then a whole bunch of people are gonna see your, you know, see your video. They're not going to be in your niche. They may follow you. They may not. The Instagram or the algorithm will be super confused. So what you want to do is you want to really focus on going viral within your niche. And as a social based algorithm like Instagram. So let's talk about that because a lot of brands are using Instagram as their kind of primary acquisition channel, the, the, the channel that they're using to introduce their brand to people. And because it's a social based algorithm, it values different things than TikTok uh, more, more heavily. So for example, Instagram, they really value likes, comments, shares, saves, and watch time. Those are all important things that the algorithm looks for. I think that shareable content is king. I am not the one who quoted that. That is not my original quote, but I totally believe it. I've heard a lot of people say it. I totally believe that if you can create shareable content that goes viral within your niche, you are gonna not only extend your reach, but you're gonna extend it to people who are interested in the content that you are putting out. And if they go, if they see that post and they click on your profile and they see that you have a feed full of super dialed in niche specific relevant content, they're gonna follow you. And the more of those people you can get in front of, the more followers you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'll say about Instagram. TikTok, it's a bit of a different strategy. They really care about watch time more than anything because it's a content-based algorithm. So for that, I would just try to create a whole bunch of really dialed in niche specific video content and have a feed full of that where uh, people will be shown, they will be served your posts and hopefully because you are, they are your ideal target audience, they identify with the niche that you are serving, then there's a good chance, the more people you get in front of, there's a good chance that they'll start following you. So that's how I think are the kind of the quick and easy, quick and simple way to explain growing your followers on social media. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how to turn those, how to turn those people into sales. Mm -hmm. um, how to actually sell to them. So the first sure. first thing to, to always remember when it comes to selling on social media is you need to build value first. You need to give value first. You need to put valuable content out there first before you can sell. That's how you earn trust with people. That's how you build trust in your brand and mm -hmm. that you have to do that before you sell. So as we we just talked a lot about the content just now and you do need to put a focus on content, especially when you don't have a following. But then once you have... Uh, once you're starting to build that up, you're putting out content, you're getting the views, you're getting the, the engagement, maybe you're getting some followers, there's some practical things that you can do to actually turn those into sales. Mm -hmm. One of the things, uh, the simplest thing, obviously, you know, put the link in your bio to, to your store. That not saying that's going to convert a ton of sales, but it needs to be there. So that's kind of the first thing. 
Second thing is that I would recommend sprinkling in your products every two to three. So a ratio of every two to three value posts, then mm-hmm. post one product focus post or like a sales post. So let's say you put three Instagram reels out hypothetically, and then the next post is a, you know, your t-shirt or your product for sale. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the second thing is like one product post per for every two to three value based posts. Third tip would be to use stories to promote your products. So mm-hmm. you might be putting out a lot, of, a lot of content and then in your stories, you might be more sales focused. One of the reasons for that is because inside stories, you can uh, you can put a link sticker there to actually link to your product. You can tag your products like with an Instagram shop uh, or you can also have them swipe up to DM you and then you can start a conversation with them in the com or in the DMs that uh, that then you can sell in there. So you might you might post a product in your stories and instead of saying click the sticker link to go to my website and buy, you might say, you know, DM swipe up uh, you might say like DM me to you know learn more about it or or you could be a little more specific and say, you know, DM me uh, one if you love this or two if you hate it. You know, and they swipe up and say one. And then you're if they say they love it, then you're like, oh, great. Here's the link to buy. And here's a discount code, right? Like, and so you just start start a conversation with them. Um, it's pro- you'll get proportionately higher sales conversion in the DMs than you will just giving saying link in bio or giving people a link sticker in the stories. But use stories to sell more than you do in the feed. Like you can you can sell a little bit more in the stories, and there's some more features to uh, to really promote that. Um, I think that's for the most part, that's what I've got. I mean, the last thing I would say is we also teach inside shirt school, a more proactive direct message strategy to actually sell in the DMS. And that's another thing to kind of sell. Like the best strategy that I've seen that works really well is if you're somebody who has, uh, you're putting out content or reposting content that is getting a lot of views and getting some engagement, mainly you wanna look for the engagement, so it's getting likes and getting comments. You can then go to those likes and comments and then those are the people you wanna connect with because those are gonna be the hottest kind of people on in that social media post. And you can proactively direct message them, thank them for liking your post, you know, thank, thank you for engaging with me. Um, have, you seen our, have you seen our brand? They're gonna say, love the real, no, I haven't seen your brand, and then you can start a conversation with them and you can proactively kind of sell in the DMs. Now, yeah, this is gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get a little higher no rate. Like you're gonna get a lot of people that aren't interested. But mm-hmm. I guarantee, if you've provided value in that reel, that post, whatever, and then you shoot a DM, you're gonna get some people that will be interested and will, will actually buy your products. And so, I've seen it work time and time again, really, really well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good strategy. Um, and I, so I have some more thoughts since every time you talk, man, there's like more yeah, I want to say. That's good. So I'll, I'll try to wrap it up. I'll try to wrap it up with these thoughts. Uh, first of all, I completely agree with what you mentioned about having a good content mix of value and product posts. And what people are going to notice is that in most cases, your product posts will not get nearly as much engagement as your value posts. However, 
people are still seeing them. Mm -hmm. They might just not be liking, commenting, or sharing them. But when they go to your grid and they see products that were created for them because they're your ideal customer in your niche, they're gonna see them. And a lot of times they might go directly to your website and buy it. They might not like or comment or share it. So the value posts are gonna get a lot more engagement. Do not be discouraged. That's totally normal. You can even go to a lot of really big e-commerce brands and you'll see that their value posts get disproportionately higher engagement than their um, product posts. That's totally okay. You should absolutely still pepper in your products. So yeah, like Carrie said, every like every second or third or fourth, I would I would probably not do any less than at least every fourth so that you're, you know, you're peppering your products and every time customers look at your grid, they look at your feed, they'll see those products. Um, another really good point you made, Carrie, is selling in stories and DMs. Man, I've made so many sales in the DMs. These are hot leads. Mm -hmm. These are usually people reaching out to you in a lot of cases, asking about the sizing, asking if it comes in other colors. These are people that want to buy. And so leverage the DMs. You, you know, a lot of times you're just going to be responding, but you can also go out and you can be proactive. Like Carrie said, you can reach out to the people that are active and engaging with your posts and you can start a conversation you can build a relationship and maybe you don't ask them to buy right away maybe you just get to know them and you know you start liking their stuff and they like you more more of yours and then they become a customer so um i also think stories are really 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 good for selling i generally try to do you know, a, a sales post once a day where you're featuring a product with a link either to that product or to the collection, something to get people to your website. The other thing that we haven't touched on that I just want to mention is you should absolutely create Facebook and Instagram shops, set that up. That allows you to tag your products on Facebook or Instagram and allow customers to shop, to browse, to add to cart and even purchase your products without even leaving Instagram and Facebook. It's a very seamless in-app experience for customers and a lot of them really like it. They might not want to be directed off of Instagram and Facebook. Usually people aren't on there to shop. That's not usually their first reason for going on there. It's to be social or to see what's going on or something like that. So giving them the option to buy in-app just makes it as easy as possible for them to buy. And that should always be the goal. Make it as easy as possible for your customers to buy. So I definitely recommend setting that up. That significantly improves your chances of converting you also get algorithmic favor from Facebook and Instagram. So what we've noticed is that when we tag our products, they that post performs better. It gets extended reach. And the algorithm is rewarding us for using a feature that Facebook and Instagram is trying to promote. So I definitely recommend setting that up. That's also going to help your chances. And then the last thing, I'm just going to really briefly explain this strategy. So when it comes to converting um followers into customers, I kind of had a, a two-phase approach. So what I always say is start with, when you're starting your brand, start with one primary acquisition channel. And because these are Shopify stores in most cases, that's what we do and teach. Uh, we recommend social media. So choose one channel that you want to dominate. You want to become an expert at that channel. You want to put lots of content. You want to build up a big community. And your goal with that channel should be to convert to get followers and convert them to customers. So what you want to do, how you want to do that is use social media to direct them to your website or to your Facebook and Instagram shops. But if you're directing them to your website, 
collect their email address there, give them some incentive to get their email address, remarket to them, and then convert them from a shopper into a customer. So use that primary acquisition channel, social media to introduce your brand, and then use a primary retention channel, which the two most popular are email and SMS. We, we recommend starting with email, but I use both, but I, and eventually I would say try to have both, but start with email and then use email as your retention channel to either convert them or to make them a repeat customer. So use, yeah, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I feel like I could talk about this for a long time. That's good stuff, dude. That's that's really good. Um, I think we're gonna wrap it there. We have a bunch more questions, so we're definitely gonna have to do another one of these. It's not gonna be a part two, but we will do, we will do, because we're gonna jump back into our regularly scheduled content. But we wanna, uh, we wanna, we do wanna continue answering these questions. So definitely stay tuned. I don't know for sure if we talked about this is gonna be a once a month thing or something along those lines. Maybe once every so often, maybe a couple months. But we definitely wanna do these. Uh, more often and we would just wrap this up by saying send us more questions into mm-hmm. our instagram dms at carrie mm-hmm. egler on instagram at ecom legends academy yeah uh send us send us a dms anything else you want to or email us at support at sixfigurefounder.com yes. number sixfigurefounder.com not well, not info at sixfigurefounder like i said before yeah, <laughs> you know, it yeah. doesn't exist right now <laughs> Yep. Uh, one more thing I did want to add one more call to action for you, if you will, is we did not Mm. mention, uh, we did not mention during this episode, uh, the, the wait list for six figure founder. We talk Mm. about six figure founder a lot because we are engulfed in it pretty much daily, uh, Mm. working with our students. We have a, uh, we have a Voxer group, which is, um, it's kind of like just text messaging us or voice messaging us where our students can talk to us as much as they want. So pretty much all day, we're kind of in and out of Voxer, engaging with the community. So we, we talk about our Six Figure Founder coaching program a lot. And so I'll just throw a quick call to action out there for you. If you are wanting to grow your apparel brand, if you already have an existing apparel brand, you're already selling, maybe you're not selling as much as you'd like, maybe you've got your first few sales, you're trying to figure out how to get it to that next level, you wanna build a six figure brand in the next 12 months, uh, mm-hmm. I think you should definitely consider joining our wait list for six, the Six Figure Founder program. This program's focused on impact-driven apparel brand entrepreneurs that want to grow to a six-figure brand over the next 12 months. And if you do want to get on that wait list, go over to the number six figurefounder.com slash coaching. The number six figurefounder.com slash coaching. That link is also uh, down in the show notes. So down in the show notes, you got Gelato down there. If you want to check them out, the sponsor of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to check out, if you want to send us an email, support at sixfigurefounder.com, or you can also join our wait list, sixfigurefounder.com slash coaching. Anything else? Does that do it? Oh, that was, that was right. well said. This has been a super fun episode. I am already excited for the next Q&A episode. So let's just wrap it up there, man. This has been great. We will talk to everyone very, very soon. Peace.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an honest review on whatever platform you're listening on, whether that be Apple or Spotify or Google, or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave us a comment down below. Let us know what you think about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.